Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. My goodness, ha, ah, can you hear me now? How you doing, second service? That's good. I don't know if you're excited, but you should be because Echo is coming up, kicks off next weekend. In fact, next Friday evening is the first service. And last night, um, as my wife and I were attempting to doze off to sleep, um, she always asks deep questions. Like, I'm almost asleep, and she's like, what do you think about the Trinity? Um, Anyways, last night, um, she said, who are you most excited to see at Echo this year? And I started going through the list of people who are going to be there. Dave and Karen Eubank are going to be there. Free Burma Rangers. Um, Kelly and Lenora Break are going to be there. Dave and Lorraine are going to be there, but I get to see you guys all the time. No, um, I'm just like, but all these missionaries who are coming in, the Napiers are going to be there, like lots of extraordinary people who are coming in. And over the years, ECHO, our global missions conference, has felt more and more like a family reunion to me. And part of that is because over the past 10 years, we've seen numbers of people be sent out from our church and take on the mission that God has given them. And we get to come back together and celebrate what God has been doing. And 10 years ago, right around 10 years ago, I really started to get to know Dalton and Maggie Morrock. Um, They showed up at Church on the Rock. They were actually pastoring at another church at the time, um, but were coming to our service after the service at their church. Um, And Dalton came up to me and he said, Jonathan, you're so amazing. I would love to work here. Something along those lines. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but we started running together at that point. I'll just tell you this. Uh, If you know, you know. Um, But over the past several years, um, over the past 10 years, there have been numbers of challenges um, that we've navigated as a church. Um, But I will tell you this. The gift that Dalton and Maggie have given to our church by staying put until they heard from God what the next season was is a truly unique gift to us. But for me personally, um, I, nope. Get under control, Jonathan. Don't get all emotional on people. Um, Dalton, to this day, is still one of my best friends on the planet. And so I will just tell you, um, his intentionality um, in pursuing relationship and moving forward and our opportunity to watch them as they grow and hear from the Lord this year, we get to send them out as missionaries 
to Uganda, East Africa, and um, they're going to tell you more about all of that in just a moment. But today, for the first time in five years, we get to hear from Dalton Morrock bringing the Word of God. Would you welcome Dalton to the platform, Church on the Rock? <laughs> well, what an honor to be here today and uh, see if my tablet recognizes me. Hey, what an honor. It's good to be with you. Um, it's a privilege to be able to run with you as a friend, as co-worker at one point, as my mentor, brother in Christ. Um, you guys know you have a good man as your pastor, right? He had asked me to say a couple of nice things about him. So now that we've got that taken care of, we will move on. <laughs> so uh, Maggie and I have been preparing to move to Uganda. And what that looks like for us, lots of things. Uh, but one of the pieces of that is we are uh, condensing a home and, you know, 20 plus years of, of raising kids and the seven people who used to live in that home who are now adults. Uh, into 14 27-gallon totes to go to Uganda. So that's awesome. Um, so that's, that's quite a process. And it feels like throughout this process, as we've moved forward, this, forward in this, uh, we're planning on leaving second week in November, we have lots of time. This is still a long ways off until all of a sudden it's not a long ways off. And, and time just flies. They say time flies when you're having fun, right? But time actually flies when you're not having fun too. It just, it just flies when you're busy. That life just seems to be set at this breakneck pace. There's a reason that they call it the rat race, right? Because before you know it, time has just flown by and here we are. And the Bible actually refers to life as a race as well. And so we're going to look at today, we're going to look at a, a couple different passages, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 9, spend most of our time in Hebrews 12. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Do you not know that in a race all of the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. But you and I, do it to get a crown that will last forever. In Hebrews 12, where we'll be spending most of our time, starts out with this phrase, let us run with endurance the race marked out before us. We're going to look at two things today. We're going to look at how do we run in such a way that we get the prize, run to win, and yet run with endurance. Because you can, how many of you guys have known people who started off really well and sometimes known people as in ourselves who start off really well but peter out over time? So we're looking at how do we run in such a way to win the prize but also make it to the end, make it to the finish line, run with endurance. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to answer that question for us. Father God, thank you so much for being present here with us today. 
We thank you for your word and for your promise that it will return to you, um, not void, not empty, but having accomplished exactly what you've set out for it to accomplish. And so this morning, we trust that your Holy Spirit has things to speak to us. Open our ears, soften our hearts, give us the strength to respond in obedience. And Lord, we will give you the praise and the glory that is rightfully yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So how do I run with endurance? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want to look at three things from this scripture, and we're going to jump into a couple others as well. Uh, this morning, and, and this isn't like three easy steps. It's disingenuous to reduce anything in the Christian life down to a formula. But this is three things that we do find in the text. The first is don't let the journey become the destination. Lay aside every weight. The second is don't let failure become your definition. Lay aside the sin. And the third is don't let your focus become a distraction, looking to Jesus. So I went through this season where I was really into exercise and fitness. And for like three weeks there, man, you should have seen me. It was awesome. And one of the things I tried during that season was CrossFit. Any of you guys ever heard of CrossFit? So the, the cool thing about CrossFit is you don't have to love exercise to enjoy CrossFit. You just have to hate yourself. And so if you're like really into pain and suffering, man, CrossFit, right up your alley. Uh, CrossFit has this one exercise called a Tabata. And a Tabata is basically, and I'm sure I'll butcher this a little, but um, because I didn't go to like CrossFit seminary for the CrossFit religion, but but... This Tabata is eight rounds, and they're timed rounds, and I think they're about a, a minute, 20 seconds each. And in those rounds, you want to do as many reps of whatever exercise is designated as you possibly can. So for example, at squats, you're going to try to do as many squats in that minute and 20 seconds as you possibly can. But there's a catch. The catch is that um, you are scored by your lowest round. So if you start off low so that you can make it to the end and you do four reps in the first round and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, dude, I have so much left, um, you get scored at four, your lowest round. If you start strong and you knock out 20 in the first round and you get to the end and you're like, four, you get four. <laughs> That's your score. You get scored by your lowest round. So the trick is you need to go strong and hard as fast as you can, give it everything that you've got, but you also have to endure to the end. And that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is calling us to do, to run as if we're running towards a prize, to give it all that we've got, and yet to make it to the end, to run with endurance. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
So we're coming back to the therefore and the great cloud of witnesses. You should always ask what's the therefore, therefore, and we are going to do that. Um, but we're going to start with the second phrase. Let us also lay aside every weight. You notice the author of Hebrews doesn't say, um, when they say lay aside every weight, they don't say lay aside all of the bad things. In fact, it actually goes on and says, and the sin. So clearly we're not talking about sinful things when we're laying aside every weight. What we're actually being called to do is lay aside potentially good things to lay aside the church things, the work things, the life things, the things that have begun to weigh us down over time. Think about what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, and he's speaking to religious people, to the religious leaders and to the people following them. He says, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Another version says, how many of you have felt that? Like the everyday things, even the good things, the, the family things, the church things, have become work heavy over time, have become burdensome over time. The things our soul gets caught up in, the things we may do to prove ourselves and our worth, the things we may do or feel we need to do to earn love, the things we may do to be accepted or approved of. Nothing wrong with doing good things, but don't let the journey become your destination. Don't get so focused on the now, on what you're doing right here, that you lose sight of the finish line. It's not a treadmill, it's a marathon. You're supposed to be going somewhere. You're supposed to be moving forward and not just focused on the activity of it. This is what I'm doing, but it's not where I'm going. It's not my destination. It's not my identity. It's one of the first questions we ask when we meet someone. We're like, hi, what's your name? What do you do? Because it's how we identify. It's how we declare either our worth or we judge the worth of another. We know how to speak to someone. We understand them. We think based on what they do. But the truth is, what we're doing is not where we're going. Where we're going is eternity, and you can't get there by hard work. It doesn't matter what you do in the meantime. It's not going to take you to where you're going. So don't let the journey become the destination. Lay aside every weight. And when you lay it aside, what you're actually doing is you're putting it in its proper place. Now, there's things in your life you just have to get rid of. That's where, what we're learning in this, this journey to Uganda. Uh, there is a whole side of the late that we're, weight that we're laying aside that is going to end up at Thrifter's Rock. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> and so, like, literally laying that aside, we're letting it go. But there's other things in your life that laying it aside just means I'm taking it out of the place it has come to occupy, and I'm putting it back where it belongs. That is something that's supposed to aid me in running the race, not weigh me down. And if, if the aid becomes the destination, if it becomes the finish line, I need to take it out of that place and lay it aside. Now, these are the good things. But the, the things that I may feel like I need to do, that I want to do, uh, but the truth is that it's not who I am. It's what I do. It's not who I am. Who I am 
is I am a child of God already. I, I am already loved. I am already approved. I am already victorious. In fact, uh, the book of Ephesians says, I'm already glorified and seated in heavenly places. There is this position that's already mine. I don't have to earn it. And in fact, I can't. I am already holy. If you don't lay aside every weight, you will try to carry it on your own and you will find yourself over time exhausted, heavily burdened, and eventually defeated. So we lay aside every weight and it goes on, the sin that clings so closely. Another version says the sin that so easily entangled and I understand that. Like the things you get involved in that you didn't expect to get stuck in. And yet, there you are. Notice the author of Hebrews doesn't have to uh, switch audiences to go from lay down the good things to lay down the bad things. Because the same group of people that get weighed down with the good things also get entangled in the bad things. The same group of people that need to lay aside the weights also need to get out and disentangle themselves, lay aside the sin. All of the really good things you're doing, lay those down. All the really bad things that you're doing, lay those down too. On a side note, these, the good things, the weights, the things that have over time become burdensome, if you don't deal with those now, they have a way of migrating over to the sin column over time. That those things that may be good now, but God's instructed you to lay them aside, if you don't lay them aside and deal with them now, they'll move into the sin column over time. John says uh, in, in his epistle, in one of his letters that he writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So sin is never a them problem, it's always an us problem, right? Sin is always something that everybody deals with. The question with sin isn't whether, it's when. So here's my question. If everybody gets weighed down, good things, just life things, normal everyday things, and everybody gets entangled with sin, then who gets to run with endurance the race set before them? It's time to go back to the therefore, find out who the great cloud of witnesses is. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. So who is this cloud of witnesses we're talking about? For that, we're going to go back a chapter to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, preachers, pastors, church types call this the faith hall of fame. And it actually starts out with a definition of faith. And the, the definition is this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Another version or another translation says faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. I like that because it, faith has evidence and substance. We talk about blind faith, but the truth is there is evidence to our faith and there's substance to it. It is the, the thing that makes solid, that makes evident the thing that we've placed our trust in. Substance and evidence. The author of Hebrews then goes on and he tells a series of stories. And I encourage you, uh, if you don't know some of these stories as we're, t as we're talking about it today, you don't recognize the names, no big deal. Grab the book of Hebrews um, 
There's Bibles here behind this booth if you want to grab one and take one home if you don't have one at home. Um, Go home, read Hebrews 11, and then Google the names if you don't know them. You can read their whole story. It's super important for your understanding of the Scripture, and they're just really cool stories. So he goes on and he tells these stories. By faith, Abel offered to God an acceptable sacrifice, talking about Cain and Abel and the offering that the brother Abel made. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So Abraham, God says, go to the place I'm going to show you. He has no idea where that place is. He steps out in faith into the desert and goes. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And by hidden, they mean put in a basket and set adrift on the Nile River, which I have not now been to. And it's a terrible place to let your kid float. Like, it's just, it's not safe. It's not OSHA approved at all. Um, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land when they were escaping the soldiers of Pharaoh. So what causes you to walk into the wilderness or to put your baby into a basket or to step out into the sea? The substance of things not seen. The evidence of the things hoped for. Hebrews 12 goes on and it says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. That's it. That's the list of the ones who finished well, the ones who ran with endurance. The faith hall of fame is made up of Abraham, who slept with his wife's handmaid because he couldn't see any possible way that God could complete the promise that he had made to him. Jacob, who tricked his dying dad into giving him his brother's birthright. Gideon, the coward. Rahab, the prostitute, who, well, prostituted, (laughs) Samson, the fallen hero, David, the adulterous king, of whom the world was not worthy. I don't think I've ever loved a list as much as I love this one. And it's not because they're sinful people, it's because they're sinful people who had faith. And God in his faithfulness provided what was needed so that they could finish the race. It's all about what God did. We lay aside our sin. Sin is inevitable. Failure is inevitable, but we don't let failure become our definition. You know this? Only the one who made you gets to define you. Only the creator gets to say who or what you actually are. Don't let your failure become your definition. 
We lay aside our sin and we don't just lay aside the sin we committed today or what we might be tempted to commit tomorrow. We lay aside the sin that we committed yesterday and the week before and 10 years before. Lay it all aside. I'm not talking about salvation here, right? Sinful people go to heaven. We better hope. <laughs> what we're talking about is um, not that we have what is sufficient to to cover our sin or to lay aside our sin, what we're talking about is that Christ has what is sufficient to erase our sin. We're talking about not our own sufficiency, but his. Our salvation isn't found in our own ability to lay aside sin. It's found in Christ's ability to cover it. I love the way the hymn puts it, an old hymn called Before the Throne of God. I just discovered it um, here in the last year or so. It says, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. We don't lay aside our sin to earn God's favor or our salvation. We lay aside a sin because if we don't, we'll never experience the freedom or the life that God intended and intends for you and I to walk in. So we lay aside our sin, and in the laying aside, something supernatural happens. 2 Corinthians puts it this way. Verse, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Who gets to run with endurance? Broken people, sinful people, weighed down people because the supernatural power is put in everyday normal vessels. Because when that happens, who gets the glory? It's not the jar, <laughs> right? It's the, it's the source of the power. It's God's light in normal everyday vessels, normal everyday people like you and I filled with supernatural power the kind of power that you'll need if you're going to run the race to win and to endure. So what are we running toward? We're going to look at the whole uh, section here, both of these verses. Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we know who that list is, let us also lay aside every weight, and all of those things that have become heavy or burdensome or distracting, and sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus. We are running to Jesus. We're running to the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Good news, you don't need to start with perfect faith. Nobody does. The perfecter of your faith is working in you and through you as you run. The founder and perfecter of our faith because we have tried to carry the weight on our own and it crushed us because we've tasted the fruit of our sin and its death every single time we run by looking to Jesus. When we get distracted and weighed down, we stop and we look to Jesus. When we get tangled up in our sin or we start to let our failure define us, we look to Jesus. Don't let your focus become a distraction. 
Because if you focus on yourself, if you focus on yourself, you'll either quit long before the finish line or you'll carry on for all of the wrong reasons. You'll either look at yourself and you'll say, no way I'm qualified. I can't do this. Or you'll look at yourself and say, oh, bro, got it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and either way, you'll be wrong. Because you can't do it, but he can. So we look to Jesus. I um, grew up, I was a missionary kid in Mexico. And uh, so when Maggie and I first got into ministry and throughout the years following that, um, we took lots of teams to Mexico. And one year we took a team from here, from Alaska, actually from uh, a different church across town, First Presbyterian Church, um, to Mexico. And we flew into Dallas with this group of teenagers, of kids and some adults, and rented 15 passenger vans because we wanted to spend as much time in Texas as possible. I have no idea. It was miserable. So, so we're traveling for like days through Texas. Um, and we, we get into Mexico. And the area of Mexico we're driving through is almost all desert. Uh, but there's this spot that we know of. It's this oasis. And it literally is an oasis in the desert. The, it's like the desert just drops off. And there's all these sandstone, rocky kind of mountains down in this valley. And these crystal clear streams. There's a spring at the top of the mountain. And the way they flow down, there's these beautiful waterfalls with pools down below them. It's called El Salto. And you can jump off of the top of the waterfall down into the pool below. It's awesome. Beautiful place. Um, the problem is the missionary that we were meeting, my mom, apparently had no idea how to actually get to El Salto. So we get hopelessly lost in the town outside of this place. And we're driving around. We can't find anything. It's getting super late. And so my mom has the idea, we'll ask a guy on a bicycle to help us find our way to El Salto. So the problem with getting directions from a, a guy on a bicycle is a bicycle can actually go places that a 15-passenger van can't. So a fact which was completely unknown to the dude on the bicycle because he's like weaving in between cars up on sidewalks. I'm doing like 20-point turns trying to turn around to get to where this guy's going. And eventually we make it. No thanks to bicycle dude. And we get there beautiful we think, because it's pitch black out, <laughs> can't see anything. So we like dip our feet in for 15 minutes and go on our way. Here's the thing. You and I are headed somewhere that we can't get to on our own. We'll be lost if we try to do it alone. But the good news is that Jesus will never, ever lead us someplace that we can't follow. That where he's calling us to go, he has already gone and now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, seated at, sitting at the finish line, rooting us on. That we're actually going, it says, to, to join the one who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, the worst possible thing, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. And do you know what that joy was? You and I in relationship with God. You and I worshiping our creator as we 
we're designed to do. There's this saying, and it's often repeated in missionary circles, but it's worth saying again, that the primary purpose of the church is not missions. It's actually worship. That missions only exists because worship doesn't. That until the earth is filled with the worship and glory of God, missions has to keep on, has to continue. But there will be a day when mission ceases, worship will continue for eternity. And so Christ despises the same shame for the joy set before him, which is the entire earth in relationship and worshiping, people from every tribe and nation worshiping us. So what happens when we finish well? At the end of his life, Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance or for his presence. I tell you what I do know from my own experience and from Scripture. It's a good trade to lay down your burdens and to set aside your sin and to trade it for a crown of righteousness that lasts forever. A missionary named Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I want to uh, read a blessing over you. Um, and I think this, this is in Hebrews chapter 13, but I think it applies to us. Um, Maggie's going to come forward. We're going to talk a little bit about what we get to do in Uganda. But this blessing, Hebrews 13, says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, you and I, with every good that you may do his will, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, speaking of Jesus never leading you where you can't follow, um, we are headed to Uganda. And we're going to be missionaries with World Outreach Ministry Foundation in East Africa, World Outreach Ministry Foundation, which we call WAMF. A friend of ours says, I'm not supporting you until you change the name. <laughs> so, well, we can't change the name, but WAMF it is. Well, WAMF, there it is. Um, wow, like three 90s kids are like, yeah. Um, we are going to, to work with WAMF in East Africa. And when we first went two years ago, took a team from Church on the Rock, uh, we had known Stephen Mayanja. Anybody here, Stephen Mayanja at Missions Conference over the years? Uh, very dynamic speaker, great guy. Uh, he comes here every year and he talks about, you know, baptizing 150 new believers and planting a new church and the four or five new churches they've planted this year. But when we didn't understand the scope of what World Outreach does until we got there. And there we found out that what started as a church plant by a couple in their 50s from the Seattle area and a young Ugandan college student who was going to Bible college in Seattle um, has grown into over 350 churches a Bible college, 30 schools, 18 women's empowerment centers where they're teaching young ladies um, trades that will help them to be less vulnerable to sex trafficking or becoming child brides, and many, many other works. And so 
when we saw that, we, uh, we felt like God was calling us to join in what he's doing there. And Maggie's going to tell you a little bit about what we'll actually be doing. Yeah, so when we went on that trip, the Lord had led me to resign my position at Thrifter's Rock um, about a month after we had gotten back from that trip. And we really didn't know what we were going to do. It was an act of faith. And we prayed and we asked the Lord what was next and felt like he was leading us to send an email to WAMF and just ask if they needed any help in Africa from outsiders like us. And they immediately replied because they had been praying since January. That was August of last year. So they had been praying since January for new missionaries. See, they had been without missionaries because six years previously, there was a tragic accident and their missionaries were killed in that accident. And they had been letting Ugandan team lead the, the, the ministry there. And they were doing an excellent job, but they needed to send Americans now because, or they wanted to. The Ugandans wanted them to send Americans. So um, we just prayed and we entered this process of interviewing with them. And over several months, they came back to us with a job description that is, um, for the first time in our lives, a shared job description. So we will both be doing the same job, but in our own giftedness. And so pray for us for that. Um, <laughs> you can imagine working with your spouse doing the same thing. I will need all the prayers, and also <laughs> we're really excited about it. So the role that they've asked us to take is program development directors. So what that means is you heard of all of the programs that Dalton just mentioned, and um, our, our job description is that we will audit existing ministries for effectiveness, and then we will help to create strategic long-term plans for those ministries. So we will be traveling to two to four churches a month to preach and encourage and um, listen to the hearts of pastors for their communities to see whether or not they're ready to host a missions team, if they have a need for a school in their village, or maybe even if um, they need a women's empowerment center in their village as well. So for years, we were in pastoral ministry and we certainly have a heart for pastors and their wives and their families and, um, and for the ministries of WAMF. Um, so it's just our honor to join this family ministry um, and get to encourage pastors and uh, help the church in Africa to just grow and thrive. If, if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing, stop by, talk to us, and we'll have a table in the foyer. Um, apparently, 10 years ago, when we got back from our, from our missions trip this last year, or this year, we were sitting with uh, Jonathan and Katiri, is that right? <laughs> Jonathan and Katiri, and uh, visiting with them. And uh, Jonathan asked, hey, have you, while you were there, did you hear about a place or a church called Impiji? And we had actually had the chance to visit in PG while we were there. Um, apparently, 10 years ago, Church on the Rock partnered with, with World Outreach to buy a piece of property for a group of believers who wanted to plant a church in PG in Uganda. And um, they ended up never building a church, a building on that property. Directly next to the property that apparently Church on the Rock purchased was this sacred tree, and in this tree there's spirits that live, 
And the witch doctors would do rituals to, uh, to grant wishes for the people who would come to them with their sacrifices or offerings. And so when the church started meeting and praying there on that property, there was a ton of pushback. Uh, the, the witch doctors would do rituals and make a bunch of noise and interrupt in any way possible. So the church started praying and fasting against that opposition. And it rained for four days and the tree fell over. So, which is awesome, but the enemy hates stuff like that. And, and the witch doctors actually ended up sacrificing a little girl on the church's property. So the government of Uganda came in, arrested this group of, of witch doctors, arrested the leader of that group, and gave the church a brand new piece of property, which is why they never built a building on the property that we purchased. Um, that piece of property actually had this big flat rock on it, which was the second most sacred witch doctor site in the region. And the church is actually built on that rock. So ironically, Church on the Rock partnered with this church on the rock. And uh, they have built, they have their building, they've outgrown it, they have the stem wall for their second larger building. They're going to turn that original building into um, a kids ministry center, which also allows them to start one classroom of a village school. And often the first school in a village will determine whether the village becomes predominantly Christian or predominantly Muslim. And so this is a, a tremendous tool for, for evangelism. They have an empowerment center with 30 students, 27 women, and three men. They're the first uh, empowerment center to teach agriculture to the village men. And they're the only bakery in town. And so they use that as an evangelism tool. They take uh, the, the loaves that, that the students have made, and they take those and give them out and print it on top of every bag. It says, I am the bread of life. They have conversations about Jesus. We had a part in this. We invested in this and sewed into it, but we never got to hear the end of the story. And so what Maggie and I get to do is we get to partner in creating those plans, but then we get to tell the stories to the people who have, who have invested in those plans. And so it's an awesome privilege. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I, I want to say whatever you have done and whatever your endurance has taken you through, whatever sin has entangled you, whatever has weighed you down, God's not finished with you. You still have a race to run and there's somewhere for each of us to go. Thanks. Many of you know Wampa Martinez, with us here for a long time, um, great friend. He's with World Vision now. Um, but I'll never forget the first time I went running with Wampa. Um, I, I discovered some things about myself. I don't know how to pace myself. Um, every time I take off running, it is to like get to the end as fast as possible, uh, which leads to me walking to the end. Um, Wampa says to me before we take off, like the right pace is a pace where you can have a conversation while you're running which I had never heard of in my entire life. Like, you can't talk while you're running. You're out of breath. And so I started to um, run slash waddle with Wampa and discovered there is a pace at which you can move that also allows uh, for you to be able to recover at the same time. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been thinking about what does it look like for me? How do I know when I've lost faith? Right? I know we love to judge each other, but I'm wondering, how do I know 
when I've lost faith. And I think one of the key indicators for me is when I've quit running. When I've just given up. When I've stopped laying down the weights, when I've stopped getting rid of stuff. And here's what I know for a fact. There are some weights that are easier to get rid of than others. The ones that are harder to get rid of got on my body over a period of time because I was sitting in front of the TV eating Cheetos um, and, you know, ice cream. Not that I would ever do that in the evenings except for every evening. I've just realized that the weight that I put on over that time, that's harder weight to get rid of. And yet you and I are called to insist on running with endurance. I want to invite you to stand with me. I was thinking about this statement. It struck me last service when Dalton said, um, Jesus will never lead you where you can't follow him, which is absolutely true. But he may be trying to lead you into the dark. Hello. He may be trying to lead you somewhere that your sin can't follow. He may be trying to lead you somewhere that your comfort can't follow. I was thinking about every time I head out to go hunting, because every illustration is to come back to hunting, and I'm taking a flight out to wherever we're going, and I show up, every single time the plane is always smaller than I thought it was. And they're like, no, you're going to have to get rid of that. And no, you can't bring seven cots. And no, you can't bring a cook stove. And right, like, like, what weight do I need to get rid of so I can just get on the plane so I can get out there? Or hiking through alders. You've ever climbed through the alders with a backpack on or a rifle over your shoulder? It's like it gets hung up every three seconds on something. There are actually things that Jesus is inviting people in this room, people watching online right now into. He's saying, I promise you it's better than what you got right now. But it will require setting some things aside and learning how to run with endurance the race that he set before you because it's different than the one that he has set before me. I'm super excited. Dalton and Maggie have a table out there. Um, but uh, over the years in church world, um, there's sort of this saying that goes around. It's usually associated with someone you just wanted to get rid of. And so you're like, we're sending out our very best. And in other words, we didn't want them around here anymore. And so we found something else for them to do. That has not been the case at Church on the Rock over the years. And I'm looking forward to next year's Echo Conference when my good friend gets to be back here. But I'm super excited about where they get to go, what they get to participate in, and what we're going to get to see God do in this next season of life as they run their race that's set before them. So Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to gather in a place like this. Thank you for the things that you have done for us, the things that you have done through us, and the things that you are inviting us to join you in in the days ahead. God, I want to just take a moment and pray for those in Israel and for those in Gaza, for those who are currently being held hostage, for those who have no part of everything else that's going on. I ask that you would show up that you would show off, that you would rescue, that you would give wisdom to leadership. God, we ask that you would bring peace, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Our prayer ministry teams are going to be available on both sides. Church on the Rock, we love you. We'll see you next weekend at Echo on Friday. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.